2: So, Teresa, we got a pretty cool opportunity lately.
1: We did. It's pretty awesome.
2: But it's not book-related, but it's Star Wars-related.
1: It is. It's not book-related. Star Wars-related, though. So, if you guys that are listening to this are here for books, but also love Star Wars stuff, then just hang in there. We'll get to the book stuff later, but we've got like a really cool thing to talk about with you guys.
2: Yes. Very, very cool.
1: So... We got invited to the press roundtable that Disney did with Vanessa Marshall, who you guys know is the voice of Hera Syndulla from Star Wars Rebels. And if you've been watching The Bad Batch, spoiler alert, (laughs) it's been all over social media, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling it, but she makes an appearance as young harris and Dula in two episodes of the bad batch so disney put together this press roundtable and we got invited to that press roundtable and we got a chance to just like sit and chat with her
2: just to see vanessa was cool because you know we get to hang out with her sometimes at conventions and and it was cool to see her in person and just to see her how excited she was to see everyone
1: yeah, that was really awesome. And just to clarify, this was virtual. We didn't fly yes. anywhere. Or yeah, anywhere it
2: was all virtual.
1: Or yeah, it was pretty virtual. Yeah, it was fun. And of course, I was the nerd that was wearing a Hera sweatshirt, which every time I wear that, it reminds me of getting those items at Star Wars Celebration because I dragged Aaron with me <laughs> and made him stand in line.
2: Those Celebration lines are long, too.
1: So yeah, it was it was really fun. So what was your impression of like the whole roundtable and Vanessa? Since we haven't really seen her or talked to her in more than a
2: year, it was it was really cool to see her. Obviously, and it was cool to hear all the different questions. So we all got to ask at least one question. They actually got like halfway around the table for second questions. Uh, so. There were a number of questions asked. Obviously, everybody kind of had the same things on their mind, so it was like you were waiting to see if the question you wanted to ask was going to get asked, mm-hmm. which did happen to me. I had and a couple. Me. I had a couple in my head, like okay, and I had a question, I had a backup question, and then by the time it got to me, both the things I was kind of curious about had already been asked. So, so it was it was really cool though, just to see her interaction with the fans. She's always so genuine. Yep. You don't ever get a sense that she's being bothered or like, oh, I have to do this just for press. Like she genuinely was excited to talk about her character, about the show, how huge of a fan she was of Bad Batch. Yeah. So that's really refreshing uh, when you talk to one of the, uh, you know, the voice actors that's that invested in it.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's awesome that she's like that. That's one of the things I think... And that wasn't just her in the Rebels cast. It was like almost all of them, like how genuine and invested they were in in the fans of their show and made an effort to sort of build relationships and stuff. You know, that was one of the cool things about the Rebels cast. I think Rebels was fortunate that it came out like when the fan community was really kicking and alive. Whereas with the Clone Wars, it was sort of like started before that. And didn't get as much attention initially, you know?
2: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it was definitely in the kind of post-Revenge of the Sith era. We weren't sure what was coming next movie-wise. You know, the animated series came out, you know, as the next big thing, I guess. Whereas Rebels came out at a time where there was Star Wars just was at a very big high.
1: Yeah, it was ex- exploding everywhere. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And then also with the Clone Wars, it kind of had that unfortunate thing of like the Tartakovsky series coming out and then nothing happening with that. And then the Clone Wars came out with the movie and everybody's like, what?
2: Yeah, there were some comparisons. I know the yeah. movie kind of flopped, you know, yeah. at least from a financial perspective. The animation was so different. People weren't sure how to take it. Mm-hmm. It took about three seasons, I think, for for Clone Wars to really hit its stride.
1: Yeah, it sure did. That is for sure. Well, like we said, so this was actually about uh, her role on the Bad Batch. So, Mm -hmm. what was, when you first saw Hera in that first episode, what, like, did you see it coming before they ever showed her? Or were you like, huh, I wonder? Or like, not on your mind at all?
2: It definitely wasn't on my mind before the episode aired. Uh, Once you kind of get the setting of it, you know, they're on Ryloth and you're kind of like, okay, maybe something, you know, maybe they'll show Hera. I didn't think she would, I kind of was expecting maybe like a little cameo, like they would mention her, you'd see her walk by. But the fact that she was a central character, a voiced character, that Chopper was there. (laughs) those, Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, but I guess it shouldn't surprise you anymore with, with the way Star Wars seems to be going is they're really trying to have a lot of this kind of cross-pollination across the different shows. And, like, we're seeing, like, characters getting pulled in everywhere. Mm -hmm. And especially these animated characters, you know, even into The Mandalorian, you know, we're seeing these animated characters get pulled in. And so for Hera to show up shouldn't surprise us, right?
1: (laughs) It shouldn't. But for me, it kind of did just simply because keeping track of the timeline can be so hard (laughs) and like trying to put together like would she have been alive at this point you know all this stuff it's like so I wasn't really I wasn't really prepared for it but when I saw Chom and then um Hera's mom whose name is blinking right now I was like I wonder and they mentioned Hera and I was like okay and then boom a scene with Chopper and Hera (laughs) and I was like holy buckets (laughs)
2: did you go back and watch any of the Clone Wars episodes with, with, uh, champs and doula. I did after, after I watched the, the, or the bad batch stuff after the second one, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm curious to how much do I really remember about him as a character and how consistent is it? And it was, it was interesting to go back. I couldn't really remember like how much he had to do with different things. -hmm. He ended up. He was in an episode with Mace Windu. Yeah, and you know, a lot of a lot of battle droids. (laughs) It was fun though, and I will admit that (laughs) I did not think that Vanessa was in this. I mean, even watching the whole episode, I was like, oh, they got you know a really good voice actor to sound kind of like Hera, but with a much younger voice and a, a different accent. Did not think it was Vanessa. That's mm-hmm. how good of a job she did at kind of sounding so young that I was mm-hmm. like, there's no way that's Vanessa. And I, I didn't even look at the cast. That's how convinced I was that it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until she started popping up in media stuff that I'm like, wait, why are they talking to Vanessa Marshall about Bad Batch? Oh, she was in Bad Batch. I,
0: <laughs> it just went
2: way over my head.
1: Yeah, so for me, I was like, oh, that's Vanessa. Like, she pitched the voice up to make it young and threw the accent on, and she just flipped right into it, and I was like, whoa. You know, because I hadn't heard that voice from her before. I've heard some of her others. Then it started to get me thinking, oh, yeah, she's done, like, a, a younger voice before on, oh, my gosh, I can't remember the show name, but it what's popping into my head is Peanut Butter Pickle something. There's some <laughs> animated show called, like, peanut butter and pickle or I don't know that she's on. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And so I was impressed to say the least. I was like, wow, good job, man.
2: (laughs) Yeah. She's Uh, so talented and it really shows in her ability to do a character at any age.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah. And you asked a really good question related to her and chopper. Which I was really glad you asked this because I don't think anybody else did. So Aaron and I both went a little bit more sort of generic and like kind of fan sort of questions because Vanessa is such a Star Wars fan rather than deep dive sort of questions. Mainly because everything we wanted to ask was had been asked already.
2: Right. No, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, definitely. My question was, kind of off the top of my head right at the last second just because everything had been asked. And I was pretty late in the lineup. I think I might have actually been the last person to ask in the first round of questions.
1: Yeah, I didn't get to ask a question during the first round.
2: Yeah, so so I was kind of like, oh, okay, everything's kind of already been asked. But I was curious about, you know, having Chopper back in the show. And kind of, I know it's not like she voices Chopper, but, you know, Chopper is a big part of the story and she's a big Star Wars fan, so, you know what was that like to have that character come back with her? And so I kind of asked it in a little bit more of a humorous way, but and I, I think we have the audio for it that I can play. Yeah. On the show. Play that. Hey Vanessa. Hey, how are you? Great. Always awesome to see you. I had two questions that I was planning to ask, but both have already been asked. So
0: oh, I'll, just, okay.
2: I'll just go a little bit more fun. What was it like to work with Chopper again?
0: <laughs> it was awesome. That one I was talking of, <laughs> first of all, I should say, you know, all throughout Rebels, I would have to, you know, I would imagine I would have to interact. No one would sit there and go, burr, 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 burr. you know, there were sort of the parentheticals of what it is he was saying, and I would pause and then pretend that I could hear that, and whatever else. But um, what was fun in this particular episode, when we see them at the very beginning, they already have this very close relationship. I don't know if you remember in the animated short for Rebels, um, Dave said that R2D2 was like a little dog and Chopper is a cat, and you know how cats are. <laughs> it, it, they just are, right? And and Chopper just it, it, Chopper, you know, they they just have that relationship that takes many different ways to sort of talk them off the tree, if you will. And uh, that one line where um, the Imperials come and find her and she just says, chopper, you know, to sort of call him over, we recorded that many different ways. Um, And so it was interesting to see which version that they use. And I think it was the perfect one (laughs) because it was sort of calling to him without calling to him, (laughs) you know, but yeah, I was, it made me so happy. I, I, I totally cried like <laughs> complete nerd. I was sobbing. Um, I was just so happy to see them, uh, again, I missed them and, uh, yeah, it was great.
2: <laughs> but I love that she had such a good answer to a question that she could have easily just given like a really quick, you know, kind of, Oh yeah. Ha ha fun. Yeah. He, it was awesome. It was cool working with Chopper. Yeah, super. but she really, you know, gave a thoughtful answer about Chopper as a character and about her, the interactions with Hera and everything. It just, you gotta love Vanessa for that. Like she, she puts it all, she puts in her all on anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I didn't get to ask a question until the second round of questions, uh, towards the end actually, and I, like, I had three or four questions and literally everybody had already talked about everything that I could think of. So I decided to go from more of like the friend perspective and be like, if she and I were just in a room chatting about Star Wars, what would I ask her? You know? And so that's kind of what my question was, was about her as a fan and how she's feeling about Star Wars right now. And I think we have the audio. Yeah. So we'll play that for you guys right now. Hey, it's my turn. It's my turn now. Okay. <laughs> so we all know you're a huge star Wars fan. So as a star Wars fan, how are you enjoying the star Wars content on Disney plus?
0: I'm so, I'm so grateful. Every Friday is my favorite. Friday is my favorite day. Whenever Mandalorian, when it's like the season finale, I freak out. It's almost like the super bowl when the super bowl happens. I'm like, what are we going to do for the rest of the year? that horrible day after the Super Bowl. Um, I'm just so grateful that there is so much content coming and the new hotel at Disney World. That too. That's happening, yes. And by the way, notice I did not wear black, Teresa. Teresa, I did,
1: I was gonna say something, but I I was holding that. No,
0: my uniform is usually I wear all black. I think uh, I, I, I just, no one knows what's going on. If you just wear all black, you'll be fine. But anyway, I went out of my way to not do that today. So that's an honor of you. And I love your sweatshirt, go Ashley, go. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I am so excited for all that is happening right now. Um, the fact that it just keeps getting better and better. I, I don't know, The Mandalorian was just mind blowing. I mean, when we got to see Ahsoka Tano, I, I lost it. And um, the Bad Batch having Cad Bane come back. Me, personally, huge fan. If, if only we could get Asajj Ventress back somehow, I don't know. Yes. Or how about Plo Koon? Let's start a petition for Plo Koon right now. I'd be okay, okay with that too. I love Plo Koon. <laughs> anyway, um, not going to happen. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I, I, I am loving uh, The Bad Batch and I really cannot even believe that young Hera was born. <laughs> it's just so incredible it, it was it was like i, I was completely sobbing um yeah huh.
1: well, in case you didn't know which i'm sure you haven't seen because you've been busy today i think they just released a new gallery for the mandalorian like behind the scenes thing so oh you'll look
0: at that when you have a minute I will, I will. Oh, I can't wait. I really can't wait for all that that is ahead for us. And celebration's coming, you guys. Just saying. It'll be here before we know it. We'll all be together again. All right.
1: (laughs) Yay! Yeah, so I think, again, similar to to what you were saying about her answering a question more in depth than she needs to. You know, <laughs> she she just has such a way with like making you not feel stupid for asking something simple, which you know you have to respect that. That's a skill. <laughs> it is a skill. It's a, That's it's not... a skill
2: that not all of the <laughs> the different uh, Star Wars related people have.
1: Uh-uh. A yeah. lot of them could just easily go, "Yeah, it was fun." Yep. So I just kind of I'm curious overall. With the Bad Batch, like getting away from Vanessa for a second, what, how do you feel about the Bad Batch? Like, where are you at?
2: I really like it. I didn't, I wasn't sure how much I was going to like it when it was first announced. I didn't love the, the Clone Wars episodes with those characters. And so when I heard they were doing a spinoff, I was like, oh really? Like, yeah, that's probably, that's pretty low on the list of my wishes for, for spinoff shows for animation. They've done a really good job with tying it into really important events.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The fact that they literally like started it out with like Order sixty six and kind of you know a Kanan cameo, which is always going to win me over.
1: That was really awesome. The first episode, like the movie kind of one, because it was like an hour, was amazing.
2: And they even tied it in, although not perfectly with the comics. They did tie it in as far as the. Some of the visuals from the comics, the situations that happened in the Kanan comics, they mm-hmm. did kind of change a little bit, which is fine. You're, you're going to have that. But that, as a comic fan, I really appreciated. Like, okay, they didn't completely erase what happened in the comics. They just, you know, shifted it around a little bit. But still, this, the the overall kind of gist of it was the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I've, I have
2: really agree. started to like it. You know, even the characters that kind of annoyed me at the beginning... You know, wrecker.
1: Can uh, I get? Did Omega annoy you?
2: Omega, yeah.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: Yeah, but they're kind of growing on me. I've, you know, I the storytelling's been amazing. In the,
1: yes, I agree with that.
2: The characters are really well rounded. They're bringing in some cool side characters. I mean, they brought. I mean, this is that we are getting into spoiler territory, I guess, for people that haven't haven't watched the show at all. But you know, I guess I won't say much else. But yeah, they've brought that in some really cool. Characters. Go
1: ahead, it's fine.
2: <laughs> well, I just like bringing in Cad Bane
1: I know. Was huge. That's my a, that's a that character was...
2: that we haven't seen in a long time.
1: I lost my mind. I lost my mind. It was so great. I also have really liked having Finnick Shand because we didn't – we saw her in The Mandalorian and we got more of her in season two. But also getting this younger version of her I think has been really, really cool.
2: Yes. Completely agree. So, yeah. To answer your question, I'm really, really liking the show.
1: So for me, I was very similar to you. Um, I liked the episodes of the Clone Wars; they were in okay. I didn't love them; it was all right. And then they announced it, and I was like, "Oh, cool! A show full of boys," <laughs> which was <laughs> what my, uh, my immediate gut reaction. And then Omega was like the primary girl. Like after the first two episodes, I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go again." Young kid, Ahsoka Tano thing all over again. You know, they're going to – she's going to be annoying and then we're going to have to learn to love her and blah, blah, blah. And so I've kind of said from the beginning and over on Fangirls Going Rogue, like – I don't really like her right now, but I am actually okay with that because I get to go on a journey with her and discover, you know, her and whether or not she grows on me. And she finally has started to grow on me. The episode with Cad Bane actually was the episode where I was like, okay, you're not just annoying. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think it's it's definitely been an interesting journey. The most recent episode, as we are talking about this on July 28th, wasn't the best it was to felt almost like a step backwards a little bit but it's okay everybody is allowed one of those episodes i mean the clone wars did arcs that were droids only so
2: and i actually liked the last one so it hasn't really had a miss yet for me I, the only
1: reason I say that I that it wasn't great was because it didn't hold my attention like the other episodes have. I'm not saying it was a like that it was bad. It's just I can tell when something doesn't hold my attention, right? And I get distracted and I'm looking around, I'm doing other things, and I don't even bother to pause it. That's how <laughs> I know that I'm like, man. Eh,
2: <laughs> I like kind of what it was introducing with some of the the other crime lords and that's true. The power struggle and you know we we see. You know, the um the that crime group from solo, I'm blanking on the name the pikes. now. Yes, the pikes, you know, they come in. Even the guy, even the Deveronian with the the horn getting cut off at the end and stuff, like I don't know. Like it was <laughs> kinda so cool. And, he's, and she's like, Oh, maybe he's not all bad. So I'm like, Oh, he's probably coming back at some point, you know. So I felt like they were setting up some stuff with that episode.
1: Why isn't always Deveronians get like one of their horns cut Because
2: it looks is... cool. It looks That's cool. That's really all it is.
1: Or you always have like characters that have horns like Sylvie from Loki? She has a cut off horn.
2: Yeah, even <laughs> um I mean there's multiple examples of it in Star Wars of well, and, characters. Well,
1: uh, and what about there's that one like superhero character. I think it's DC that ends up having a horn cut off. He's like all red. I
2: don't oh, know. Oh, Hellboy.
1: Yeah, that's Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, so wow, that Hellboy was is actually that was uh, a I
1: think he's Dark Horse Comics. Oh, well, that was a deep pull from a movie I saw five million years ago. (laughs) Yeah,
2: but (laughs) the point is horned (laughs) characters look cooler if they have part of their horn missing, I think. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we just wanted to share this with you guys about this awesome opportunity that we had. And if we do get more opportunities like this, we will for sure share them with you. And, you know, sometimes and we have to talk about other things other than books. Because oh, yeah. we're Star Wars fans. That's yeah, what and it our,
2: our listeners should be used to that because we kind of, we do it a lot.
1: I'm a rabbit holer. That's what <laughs> we do. I'm great at it. At least
2: this time it was Star Wars related.
1: Hey, at least it was. Although, I will say this. Star Wars books, not slowing down. Star Wars everything else, at a standstill. Almost invisible
2: i mean there's a lot right of stuff now. coming you know in tv interviews. i know
1: right it's coming but it's gonna yeah. be you know forever we hear about forever. you know they're filming
2: Andor, or they're filming kenobi or what's going on with,
1: i don't care you just finish it and put it out
2: yeah but once it all starts i feel like we're we are in a bit of a lull but i think it, once that first that next thing hits it's gonna feel like okay this Mandalorian Season 3 or Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi, Andor, they're all going to kind of boom, 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 boom. And we're going to have mm-hmm. a lot of content for a bit.
1: Okay, so we do have a bunch of book news. So we are going to get into this. The uh, I guess the first thing we should probably talk about is Wave 2 of the High Republic book releases. It consisted of four, right? Is that Three. Right? Three books. Three? Three books, three books. It's like the first wave, first wave have three books too. So you get one adult novel, one young adult, and one middle grade. It's yes. kind of how it goes. So for this wave, the adult novel is the second in the books written by Kevin Scott. It's The Rising Storm. Rising Storm. I'm excited for this one mainly because I really did enjoy Light of the Jedi. And I just kind of want to know what happens. After <laughs> they left it in a good place. So I was excited for that one. Now, what's interesting about this, the next two, because Kevin Scott wrote of did I and the rising storm. So you have that consistency. The second young adult novel is actually written by Justina Ireland and Claudia gray wrote the first one, which was into the dark. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so Justina Ireland is taking the reins now for Out of the Shadows. And then in the middle grade, Justina Ireland wrote the first one, Test of Courage. I think Test of Courage sounds right. Okay, Test of Courage. So now we're bringing in one of the other authors who's been doing comics while these other ones have been doing uh, the novels. Daniel Jose Older who I really enjoy as an author, uh, wrote the next middle grade, which is Race to Crash Point Tower. So those are the three that are up if you haven't, um, if you finished the first three. But we have said in the past, like, I really don't think there's a specific order that you really need to read these in because to me it feels like they sort of all overlap, but in different areas of the galaxy with what's going on. Yeah, but if you do want to if you do want to read them in order, though, I would uh, maybe do a Google search for someone who's actually maybe tried to put them in sort of a timeline. Because I just read them; I've read them in the order they were released.
2: And I think that's probably the best way to go about it: read them as they're released. I know it does <laughs> kind of overlap in areas or jump around, but the more I've read of the novels and then the comics as well. Yeah, it does start to build on events. So it is getting to a point now where I think you couldn't just pick up one at any point and it all makes sense. Like it is starting to get to the point where it's like, you probably should have read those first three before you pick up the second three, you know, that kind of thing.
1: So I would go light of the Jedi test of courage into the dark and then same order. It's adult novel, middle grade, young adult. So rising storm, Race to Crash Point Tower, and then Out of the Shadows.
2: And if you're really ambitious, read the comics. Comics. Especially the Marvel comics. The IDW ones are a little bit less involved, although I think some of those characters are going to start carrying over too, but the Marvel ones, what I learned after reading them is there are definitely some big connections.
1: I'm an IDW person. They're like my favorite publisher for comics because everything they do is like super cutesy in my opinion um they do the pony comics oh um and they do pony transformers crossover comics
2: <laughs> i've never read them they so, did announce something new too they they um something that hadn't previously been announced and they're they're gonna do another one of those audio dramas like they did with dooku
1: it's tempest runner part of wave two
2: i don't know i honestly i get mixed up in the, what waves and phases or whatever that they're in with these um, Tempest Runner was announced before the next phase was. Okay, then I so. think
1: this is a part of Wave 2. Yeah. Then maybe. I would say that. So if you're putting these into
2: Wave 1, Wave
1: 2, Wave 3, there's a book, audio drama, coming out, Star Wars The High Republic, Tempest Runner, that's being written that or was written by Kevin Scott, but it's going to be an audio original.
2: Okay, Great. there we go.
1: Okay, cast time.
2: It will now feature a full cast straight. to bring the story to life, including many fan favorite characters. The complete cast revealed exclusively on StarWars.com.
1: So it was. And, all um, right. Call outs. Know.
2: Yeah, I was going to say I don't know that we need to go through the whole no. cast because I don't know all these people, but nope. some of the names I recognize. January Lavoie.
1: Yay! She's playing. Is that Tasia? Tasha. Tasia.
2: I don't know. Tasia. It looks like Tasia.
1: Yeah, January Lavoie. Uh, Who is a call out for me? Um, Slaskia Marleveld, Avar Chris, and Parr. She's playing two. Ooh,
2: Avar Chris, I think, currently my favorite character. Yeah,
1: Avar Chris is good.
2: She's pretty cool. Jonathan Davis. Yes. He's playing Andrick Keller and Asgar Rowe. Oh, nice. a couple. Nice.
1: Mark Thompson, of course. Uh, He's Panada. Uh, the one that we don't know how to say, like Skier and Martian Row.
2: Wow, he's got two.
1: He's got really three good characters. Three. I
2: mean, he's got three characters, but like Skier and Martian Row are notable for me.
1: Now, I am interested because Lorna D is being played by Jessica Almazay, uh, and she's new to my ears. Uh, yeah, same. But that that's kind of cool. She's playing Lorna D. And then I'm trying to look at the names of the characters and see if there's anybody else that I sort of recognize.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm looking through the cast and saying, okay, who else stands out to me? And the only other character that really stands out is Keeve Trennis, which is a character I know we've seen before. mm -hmm. Um, So, but other than that, it's either new characters or characters that I just don't remember have already showed up in other stuff.
1: Yep. So that should be interesting. Uh, it, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we've had Dooku as an audio original. Is that the only one?
2: Yes, so far.
1: Yeah, so um, I st- I do kind of like that they're doing this. I also kind of don't at the same time. I'm sort of in the middle. <laughs> um, mainly because there were some issues with Dooku. <laughs> with the with the voice acting for me. I think we mentioned that when we did a review of it. Yes. Uh, but this looks like it has a lot more people. And there's going to be a lot more variation. So...
2: There's positives and negatives when you do this type of thing. I actually prefer an audio book over an audio drama. I like one one person's kind of um, interpretation of the story and not necessarily a lot of different voices jumping around. But that's just personal preference. So I would have rather this is a novel Mm -hmm. and then they do an audio book for it. But this is another, you know, it's just another way for them to get stories out. And I'm sure there'll be more of them too. Right, right, right.
1: Okay, well, then they also did release Wave 3, uh, which is The Light of the Jedi Goes Dark, is what they say. Uh, the tagline.
2: These, yeah.
1: The tagline. They'll start coming out January of 2022. So we have Claudia Gray is taking over for the adult novel with uh, The Fallen Star. Charles Soule is still doing the Marvel Comics for Eye of the Storm. Justina Ireland is doing uh, Mission to Disaster, which is either middle grade or young adult, because it's Disney Lucasfilm Press. And then Daniel Jose Older is doing Midnight Horizon. And we have a little bit on these. So uh, Daniel Jose Older is getting the the YA novel. So Midnight Horizon is going to be the YA novel. Novel. And he said in an article on StarWars.com, I can't wait for people to read it. It is a chaotic mess in the best possible way. (laughs) That's pretty cool. Uh, That's pretty cool. And then this is interesting because this isn't mentioned in any of these quote-unquote waves. Uh, But Justina Ireland has a manga coming out in September in the mm-hmm. High Republic called Edge of Balance. And it's going to take us to a Jedi Temple outpost. It focuses on Jedi Knight Lily Tora Asi in the time in the time after the Great Disaster as she helps to resettle refugees. So it's kind of interesting that they're, they're bringing in another style. They're bringing in manga because it's just been comics, middle grade, YA, and adult. Pretty much the High Republic has taken over <laughs> the book world at this point. There's nothing else to read. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's all high republic all the time. We got a bit of a break when we we're kind of waiting. You know, we read the first three books, the comics that were released, and mm-hmm. then there was the wait for the next three books to come out, which literally just dropped. I think as we're recording this yesterday. Yeah. When the second wave came out. So, and then now we know what the third wave is going to look like. So there's definitely a lot coming when it comes to High Republic. I'm oh, there's another, it.
1: there's a, there's um, another Padme book too. That's right. Damn, <laughs> forgot about that.
2: But did you say, did you mention the, the, the comic series that, um uh, that Soul's going to be doing? I did. The Eye of the uh, Storm. Was that
1: Eye of the Storm? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I couldn't remember if you had mentioned that it was about Martian Rowe.
1: I didn't, but <laughs> yeah, it's about Martian Rowe. There you
2: go. I said it. Yeah. (laughs) Because this was all, a lot of this came out in the San Diego Comic-Con at home panel. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was watching that, like as they were kind of talking through some of this stuff, this was one that kind of piqued my interest because I hadn't heard anything about this. Mm -hmm. And Marcian Rowe is a character that has intrigued me. We haven't gotten a ton about him yet. And so the idea that they're going to delve a little deeper into his backstory Um, In comic form, plus with Charles Soule being one of the more popular comic writers for Star Wars comics.
1: Yes, two 30-page issues. That's huge.
2: Yeah, so that'll be a fun story, I think, to eventually cover as well.
1: I think this quote that Soule says is awesome. Maybe he'll buy you a beer, a space beer, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Space beer. He did say that,
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, that's so funny. All right. Well, we also have a couple of emails. And like we've said before, if you send us an email, we will read it on the show. So we have two to read for you today. Would you like me to read them?
2: You can. Sure. Okay.
1: So our first email comes from Julia. And she says, hey, Teresa and Aaron. First off, thanks for reading my last email on the show. It's great to be able to connect with you. So as requested, here's an email about the pronunciation of Drid gear." Personally, I think that with Star Wars, you can say things however they sound best to you, Han, Han, whatever. So, Aaron, no hate for saying Drinjir.
2: <laughs> <laughs> See?
1: She said, I would say gear, but Drinjir sounds fine, too. Officially, it's Gear. This quick video from the Star Wars YouTube page says it multiple times, and she gave us the link. And also this interview with Claudia Gray, she starts talking about the dream gear at 23 minutes and 33 seconds and then mentions the name at 24 minutes and 31 seconds. She gave us a link. We'll put these in the show notes for you guys just to prove a point. Hope that helped and was entertaining. As for me, I really enjoyed Into the Dark. Geode confused me too, but then I decided to roll with it and ended up liking him a lot more. I was intrigued by how Orla was starting to see through the Jedi's faults a lot like Qui-Gon did. Leox was great, would love to see more of him and Afi. Wreath was a little too stubborn for me, overall not a bad character, but his plot wasn't my favorite. I didn't have too much trouble visualizing the Maxine space station like you mentioned, but after seeing the illustrations, I like my version better. You know what? That is something that happens a lot. I like my versions of the Harry Potter characters in my head better than some of the ones in the movies. Just saying. <laughs> it was a lot simpler, like a thin bubble with a halo of rings around it, which made it extra creepy when the drin gear were set loose, in my opinion. Anyways, it was a great book. You guys made an amazing episode. Thank you so much. May the force be with you. Julia, Julia, thank you so much. Keep emailing us. I like your insights. They are fun. And then we had another email from Nancy, and she says, Hi, Bookworms. I agree with what Aaron said about the Alphabet Squadron trilogy being too gritty and too raw. Hey. Cool. I think I agree with that statement without knowing what you were talking about because I wasn't there.
2: You mean you didn't (laughs) listen back to the episode? No. (laughs) Unbelievable. You would have heard me, like, in the last episode – when we talked about the comics, I, I pronounced Drengir correctly the Oh, whole time. So nice. Maybe I did. I don't know. I actually don't remember.
1: <laughs> I enjoy complex characters with internal and external struggles, but when everyone is broken and miserable, it's not an enjoyable reading experience for me. Hera was the relief of Victory's Price, and I really like that we got to spend more time with her, but she wasn't enough to counter the rest. Thanks for the podcast, and have a lovely week. Nancy. If you read this on air, it's Kendraka. Or just call me Nancy K. Nancy Kendraka, thank you so much for giving me the pronunciation. You are a legend.
2: <laughs> I'm glad she did too because I would totally would have pronounced I would have her said name wrong.
1: Kendraka.
2: Kendraka. Yeah, Kendraka. All right, well, we need to talk about Throne Ascendancy, Greater Good.
1: All right. The Ascendancy: Greater Good. This was published by Del Rey. Author is Timothy Zahn. Release date was April twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, and the publisher summary.
2: Let me do the publisher summary.
1: Okay, Aaron was to do the. A lot. Aaron wants to do the publisher summary. Rude. Yeah,
2: you you got to read the emails. The you emails.
1: Know. The emails. What? What? The emails. If you know what that was about, send me a tweet or a comment somewhere. Okay. But not Go an ahead. email. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you can send me an email if you know where that little thing I just did was referenced to.
2: I know what it is. All right. Publisher summary: Thrawn and his allies race to save the Chiss Ascendancy from an unseen enemy in the second book in the epic Star Wars: The Ascendancy trilogy, from best-selling author Timothy Zahn. Thrawn's latest triumph still rests newly on his shoulders, despite leading the Chiss to victory and bringing glory to the House of Myth. The true threat to the Ascendancy has not yet been extinguished their foes do not send threats or ultimatums or mass ships on the edge of the chaos the weapons come cloaked in smiles and generosity gifts offered freely services granted unconditionally across the ascendancy seemingly inconsequential events could herald the doom of the chiss as theron and the expansionary defense fleet rally to uncover the enemy plot they discover a chilling truth Rather than invade Chiss capitals or pillage resources, this mysterious enemy strikes at the very foundation of the Ascendancy by widening the rifts between the nine ruling families and forty great houses below. As rivalry and suspicion sow discord among allies, each warrior must decide what matters most, the security of their family or the survival of the Ascendancy itself. See, like that whole... Description is kind of everything that I don't like about these books. I know. <laughs> it's like, like... exactly. I'm already lost. And like, I haven't even gotten through even the... I don't know what's going on. The, uh, there's nine ruling families. There's 40 great houses. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Except not as... Not as cool.
1: Not as cool. No. <laughs> so... Gosh. So here's the thing with this book for me. It's very confusing. And... I understand that there are quite a few people we were actually planning to have on our friend, Sarah Woloski because she does really enjoy these books and she enjoys the world of the Chiss and stuff like that. So there are people that I think it appeals to, but I think the general audience is probably getting lost. I know I am, and I know Star Wars stuff (laughs) like, but all the houses, all the different, you know, the families, all of that stuff. And then I'm a big fan of politics and politics in the Star Wars universe. But this politics is like, bat word crazy. (laughs) Like I don't I just don't get it. And not to mention there, this book like hardly has any Thrawn in it. I don't know why it's called Thrawn.
2: This particular book is very Thrawn light.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. Thrawn ascendancy greater good.
2: And it's some of the characters they introduced us to as well. So we have Thrawn, obviously Arlani, and then we had the Skywalker uh, girl and her caretaker. Right. We're all kind of
0: of
1: the, all of I like those four characters.
2: Yeah, they're all key characters in these stories typically. And, well, I mean, we're only a couple books in. But this book seemed to sideline those characters a bit and focus on other events, uh, other kind of characters that e- characters that didn't even survive the book. And, yeah, it was interesting. But, I, honestly, from my perspective, though, I kind of liked that they got away from Thrawn because he's not my favorite character to read about. And so they were focusing on some other stuff, the mystery around, you know, Jyxtus and who he is mm-hmm. and the the guy that's kind of doing his bidding. Um, that kind of stuff was like, okay, that piqued my interest a little bit more than Thrawn's plots or his, his ways of um, defeating somebody in a battle because he tricks them into thinking something or whatever. You know, and that kind of stuff, I feel like I've read it all with mm-hmm. him before. But the fact that they started to weave in some of this other stuff with um, the villains, that's the part of it I found interesting.
1: And I'll give the book that. I'll give the book that. Uh, I am a little bit on the opposite end of you. I enjoy being in Thrawn's head. It can be a little bit tiresome. But I do enjoy it. And I like Thrawn with You know, Admiral Arlani and the the Skywalker and her caretaker. Like, I really enjoy that kind of group of people. Mm -hmm. And so, having to learn a whole nother set of characters with ridiculous names was like, oh my God, come on. You know, it's hard enough as it is. And now we're adding in this and this and this. And it's kind of like, it's something that I recall saying back with, I think it was the last Jedi. And then with rise of Skywalker, throwing in characters after character and not really giving anybody anything that would help you remember them, you know? I mean, it's like, especially like you were saying, like there's characters they brought in and then they died.
2: And they were major characters. (laughs) Yeah. And, which is fine. You know, you can do that. You bring in a, I mean, that's kind of what happened with Dooku, right, in episode two. <laughs> you know, they brought him in for a movie and they killed him. Um, I mean, he killed him at the beginning of the next movie, but still. Uh, yeah.
1: But that's a movie. It's
2: yeah, different. And-
1: because you you have the visual versus this. You're just looking at, you know, names.
2: <laughs> Jixxs. part of the, the problem, too...
1: Yomi. Like, come
2: on. Well... In all the names you said actually start with different letters, so it's a little bit easier. But <laughs> when you're when you're talking about some of these names, I think there was a list of maybe 10 different characters all had the names that started with L. Oh. And yeah, I get that there's like this naming convention with the Chiss with whatever house you're in and, you Which know, that. So
1: that annoys me, by the way.
2: But it started to really get hard to tell where there were different times where I thought I was reading about a certain character – and I'm like, well, that's, that's weird for that character to do. And then I realized I was reading it as the wrong character the whole time because it's actually a different character with a name that's so similar and a role that's kind of similar. Uh huh. And so, especially the L names. At one point I had, I typed out a whole list uh, to kind of go down, but I, I can't find that list. But there were a lot of them, <laughs> Let's, needless to say. There were a lot of them. And it was really hard to keep track. Um, And maybe for some people that's not a problem. Maybe some people better at, different names and it had no issue with it but for me personally it got confusing Mm -hmm. that a lot of the new characters they introduced all had very similar names yeah and i was just like wait what why is this person here now like it just really threw me off
1: i'm right there with you and then like the other thing that i do not enjoy is the constant back and forth in timeline like to the past to the future to the past i can't i don't like it
2: like I keep doing it in Star Wars. I,
1: I know, and I don't like it. I really don't. It's just, you know, unless there's, like, a clear delineation of, like, why it's happening, and it's not just going from one chapter to ten years ago, you know, it's just, like, why? it. For me, it takes me out of the book, and it gets me, like, all, like, discombobulated. <laughs> like, right. where am I? What is going on? And I and especially when they're using names like you were saying that are so similar. And then those people show up in the past. And then another name that's super similar shows up in the now. And then you're like, wait, what? It's just. <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah.
2: So there were things I liked about this book.
1: OK. Talk um, about those.
2: Getting past the confusion, because sometimes that does happen for me where I get kind of frustrated throughout. And then toward the end, things start to come together. And then I'm like, OK, that kind of paid off. And in this book there definitely were some things that paid off I thought with um, the one character Hapleaf of the Abgui Abu, Abugi or whatever I don't know Abugi Let's just call uh, him Hapleaf. Hapleaf but Hapleaf was this really creepy kind of you know lieutenant type character and they kind of described him but you never really get a good sense of what he even looks like and I think I don't think there's ever been any official image of him either but I really kind of enjoyed that character because it was unique. He was very kind of sly in what he was doing. And he was the main person that was kind of going around and planting these different seeds Mm. to try to get the Chiss to fight each other. Right. And so I kind of enjoyed following that character and how he was pretending to be something that he wasn't and tricking those like young Chiss that were on that like walkabout type thing. And tricking them into trusting him and then getting them to plant seeds with leadership. And I was like, okay, like he's very clever. He's kind of a Thrawn ish character, but not, but, but more purely evil. And I kind of was, I was getting into that a little bit. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that character.
1: No, I would actually agree with you that that was, that was an area that. I did enjoy it. And I think it's because that whole sort of mystery and like manipulation of characters is something that is interesting to me to sort of see how things play out. And so that, that I enjoyed, but I mean, when I say enjoyed, it's like, I enjoyed it more than I disliked everything else. <laughs> and it's unfortunate because I like the first Thrawn trilogy, I enjoyed – there were things that were, like, kind of slightly annoying, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. And then the first book was fine, you know, so I was kind of bummed, honestly, that this one just kind of had my brain, like, spinning in circles.
2: Right. There were the uh, two characters, the young characters that that um, Happily was kind of with, and he was tricking them. And that was very – that was almost like a really tragic part of the book because they were so innocent and it was this young couple that was like in love mm. and they were kind of trying to better themselves and, and go around and learn about the different planets. And you're and talking this guy, about
1: um, the Y characters, right? Um,
2: yeah. Yoponek and Yomi.
1: Okay. Yeah. Again, yeah. why do they have the same name? Right.
2: <laughs> um But it was really kind of sad to follow that storyline with him taking advantage of them and really being just purely evil in what he, how he was using them. And then only to like get them to hate each other, essentially. I know. And, then, and then eventually killing the, the girl. And I was like, wow. And I can't remember if he was the one that actually killed the girl or his, his protege, but one of them did. And, it was very tragic. Like, it was sad. You feel really sad for this young couple who was completely innocent and just got caught up in this this plot and ruined their lives, essentially. Yeah. So, I actually found that interesting, even though it was tragic, because uh, it, it it evoked some sort of emotion for me.
1: Yeah. No, I would... Yeah, for sure. I agree. I'll tell you a character I don't like. Thurfian. He's annoying.
2: Thurfian, oh, he's... He's kind of getting his way a little bit, you know, Oh yeah, he's, but he's, he's annoying. That doesn't point.
1: change the fact that he's annoying.
2: Yeah, he he kind of pops in from here and there, and you just you hear him like, "Oh, I wish I had more power. I wish oh, Dawn could get, you know, like unmasked as the fraud that he is." Basically, is his perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do leave us with a little bit of a mystery about him, and they kind of did it in the last book too, where they they kind of leave us with a mystery or, or reveal. Uh, some things about Jyxtus. And then in this book, you know, you think it's over, but then he he finally gets to, um, that he gets appointed the Patriarch, which is what he was working toward. But then when he does, now he has access to, for, to more information and um, the other character kind of pulls him aside and says, you know, hey, now that you're in this role, I'm going to tell you some stuff, you know, that is, might blow your mind. And apparently there's this weapon called star, star Flash, Flash. that is you know some big secret of of the myth family so i mean it piques my interest i'm i mean of course we're going to read the next book of course and um, maybe that's something that is a reference to something we already know maybe it's a whole new weapon who knows but i'm sure there's all kinds of theories out there but I, that was kind of cool too i thought that was a nice little tease at the end
1: now, we usually do review the audiobooks, so I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say because I feel like this one was produced very similar to the all the Thrawn books have. Um, voice uh-huh. work is good. Um, but it he doesn't the, help. He gets the it, Thrawn
2: vo- voice perfect.
1: He does get the Thrawn voice perfect. Uh, you know, it the writing doesn't do him any favors, unfortunately. You know, back to the naming conventions and sort of all of that stuff, that's not... The audiobook people's fault, uh, <laughs> but even with the voices, it was still kind of hard to <laughs> to to switch between. Because like for me, if I can't envision the characters, then like I lose I lose it. You know, so when there's all these names and all this stuff that's really confusing, like, and I have a really hard time visualizing them and being able to make them unique in my mind. That's when I start to get lost.
2: Yeah. So here. Just so maybe maybe for some of you that either didn't read this book or forgot, um, here's some of the L names: Lacuni, Lacuvive, Lokajip, Lakinda, Laknim. Like right? Like I probably didn't pronounce half of them right, but they're all yeah, grin- like,
1: they are they're all gringier.
2: And that's only some of them. Like that's not even the full <laughs> list of the different L names that they kept bouncing back and forth. Where I'm just like, who am I reading about right now? I can't remember. And they even had a dramatist persona at the beginning, which does help. But I, I you know, I don't want to have to keep flipping back to that page. I you know,
1: and they're like, can you make it a tear out <laughs> so I can pull it out and have it off to the side?
2: You know what they do now? I didn't even know this because I, I haven't done um, a Kindle book in a while, and oh. I haven't done a like a really young reader's Kindle book. But I bought one for my son the other day, and it was, you know, it's for his age range. He's nine. I forget the name of the book, but apparently it's a popular kids' series. And they do these things where they actually they have um, an overlay of the text where if a word might be hard for them to understand what it means, there's like a little pop-up that kind of tells you what it means, right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's something that I didn't have as a kid. And maybe it feels like a little bit like cheating. Like I actually told them, oh, maybe turn it off until you need it, you know, because, you know, you want them to learn. But I thought that was an interesting idea, but maybe for a book like this – you could like click on a name, and it gives you like a short little bio as to who they are, so you can remember. That'd <laughs> be <Very> cool. <laughs> I do find myself from time to time stopping reading and pulling up Wikipedia.
1: Uh, I know that's and, the worst, though. And being like, like you do should, I, should I
2: know this character? See, have we met the him thing, before?
1: In my opinion, you shouldn't have to do that.
2: I agree.
1: Sh- I don't think that 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 like that's not a good sign for a book with a reader if they have to do that for me personally. That may not bother anyone else but it sure it bothers me like crazy. Like if I have to do that.
2: And there's different types of readers. Right. You know, of there's course. people that thrive on this family stuff and names and you know that type of stuff and and they probably like just love the heck out of this book. You know, it's just not my thing. Um and so I'm more into the storyline, the kind of character paths um you know events to an extent but some of what is kind of what zon focuses on when he writes Hmm. just tends to not really be what i care about in storytelling so it kind of it's just not going to be a good formula for me to like a lot of his books
1: he's a good author and he's a good storyteller it's just not necessarily the kind of stories that i enjoy right makes sense
2: not quite up our alley
1: not quite and i'm sad talk, about it
2: we did talk about how thrawn was was a bit sidelined in this book yep uh but he did have a part to play because he ultimately was the one that came you know in the end and recognized the scam right mm. the the scam that they were doing with the the metal that they were trying to act like it was from a certain planet and they were getting all the chits to come and kind of show up at the same time and then hoping that they would fight each other and start this kind of like internal conflict in the Chiss ascendancy was kind of the overall goal in Thrawn because he was dealing with this um, magus character that you meet early on where it's from this planet who had been, you know, had this big civil war and she was kind of the leader and she was depressed about everything and they were going to do this like mass, you know, kind of suicide. And so Thrawn is trying to help figure that out and through that ultimately um, kind of intersects with the rest of the story, recognizes because of his skill of recognizing art and design and, you know, that type of stuff. He recognizes the jewelry is similar to this and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's able to stop ultimately stop the the plan. So he did play a big part, but he did seem sidelined for a lot of the book. But I was happy to see. the the very evil character um, meet his end, even though he Mm -hmm. said, you know, they introduced new characters and then killed him. He, you know, he ultimately gets betrayed by his own people left behind only to kind of face that farmer that he was trying to scam and then uh, pretty violently dies by his hand.
1: Mm.
2: I think there was a dog involved at one point.
1: So how many bookworms? (laughs) Kidding. I'm not giving this one a bookworm.
2: Yeah, this was one that overall, not my style, not a huge Thrawn fan in general, but there were elements that I found intriguing and looking forward to reading the next one.
1: Overall, I do want to read the third one. And I have hopes. Not high hopes, but I have hopes. And that's
2: all. The Skywalker girl, I'm. I mean, I'm sure of it. The next episode, or episode, the next book is going to have more of her. I hope so. More of her caretaker. We're going to get a little bit more about kind of what's going on with this Star Flash thing. Jyxtus is going to reveal himself more. Jictus. Like there's, They're building to something. And that's something to remember, too, is this is a second book of a trilogy. It's kind of that middle point. Yeah. So they're building to the big, you know, events that are going to happen, hopefully, in the third one. So, you know, it's... It's entertaining. It's It's Star Wars, so it's all it's entertaining. It's just not maybe a, our favorite flavor.
1: Our favorite. <laughs> uh, okay, so on the next episode of Bookworms, well, we've had some things that are kind of like pushing stuff around lately. Like every time we try to record, like little things happen. Like last time, my air conditioning went out. Uh, so there have been some things. But the goal is to have – two episodes between now and the end of August. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. So the first one is going to cover issues one through five of the IDW adventure comic series for the High Republic. So the High Republic, High Republic adventures. So if you get a chance to check those out, do that. And then the review towards the end of the month is going to be the High Republic, the rising storm. So Jumping back into those High Republic books.
2: Nice. High Republic August.
1: Seriously, it's going to be a High
2: Republic August,
1: September, September October. October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going all all in on the High Republic over here. That's for sure. All right, you guys. Well, if you want to get in touch with us in between shows, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at SW Bookworms. And if you want to send us an email that we read on the show, uh, Star Wars Bookworms. At gmail.com.
2: You can also find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. And we have a group over there too. Yep. So if you want to join our group, let us know and we'll uh, let you in. Talk all things Star Wars. Yep. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or pretty much any podcatcher. You can find us there. I think we're on Spotify now too. Yeah, uh, I think so. You can also find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at Ice Cold Penguin. You can find me at AB Goins. And until next time.
1: Keep on reading. And may the force
0: be with you. I love that she created her own family as an only child. I feel like I've done that. Uh, Teresa is part of my family. Aaron, there, Mark, there are many people. Dan, I, I love you guys. And, uh, I'm grateful that the Star Wars universe has brought us together and whether you like it or not, we are together until (laughs) this doesn't exist anymore.